music been great this morning or what? My goodness. Here's the thing I hope we all understand. That everything that's happened here so far this morning, from the videos to every song that's been sung to all the instruments that have played, everything that's been done this morning has all been accomplished through the dedicated work of volunteers. Not one paid person has done a thing in all that you've seen this morning. That's so amazing to me. Just the work and the effort and the just the amazing dedication of the people of this body are just... It just humbles me. It's a blessing and a privilege to serve among you and to see your faithfulness and how God uses you. It's so encouraging. Let's pray this morning, and then we'll turn our attention towards the Lord's Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for the Bible. Lord, we're thankful for the Word of God. Thank you for giving us that, Lord, as a gift. We receive it as perfect and inerrant, and it's meant for us, Lord, and we thank you for that. And we ask now that you'll give us ears to hear, Lord, that you'll take control of this time. And Father God, you'll do with your truth as you see fit. And God, it will apply and work in our hearts the way it's intended to. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can open to Luke chapter 2, Luke 2, page 1180 in the Pew Bible in front of you. If you don't have a copy of Scripture, uh, there's the most... Uh, famous text in Scripture of this glorious season of Christmas and the birth of Jesus. And uh, we'll look there and sort of build upon what we looked at last week. You know, uh, I was thinking yesterday that this is a real milestone for me today. This will be my first post-Mayan calendar sermon that I've ever preached. So (laughs) someone came over to my house earlier this week, and uh, Lisa has the house all decorated for Christmas, and everything's all lit up, but there's no presents under the tree, and they said, where's all the presents? I said, man, I'm waiting until after this Mayan thing before I buy anything. <laughs> I'm holding back. Amen. Luke chapter 2, let's uh, look together, beginning in verse 8. Luke 2, verse 8. The Scripture says, Now there were in the same country some shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord." Now, we'll stop there for now and just think about this, uh, this place and time in history. Let's try to understand what's going on. Let's think through the, the implications of some shepherds standing out in the field, uh, tending over their sheep. Understand that these shepherds would be uh, total outcasts in society, total rejects. It wouldn't be the, the job that a person would ever aspire to have. They were considered unclean. They were not allowed to come into the temple. Uh, there, were, there were just so many things wrong with being a shepherd that really it's just too numerous for me to, to, to go into. Just suffice it to say that this was definitely uh, uh, an occupation that was frowned upon, that was looked down upon. You were definitely seen as somebody who was of the lowest uh, class of person. 
And so here these shepherds are. Uh, they're out in the fields. And so you have to sort of imagine uh, the, the place and time that this is occurring. There's no, there's no street lights to, to give some ambient light. We don't know if it was a, a full moon or a cloudy night, but we do know that whatever light there was out there, it could have only been provided by the, the moon and the little bit that would have been coming off the stars. So they're out there basically in the pitch black darkness watching over these uh, flocks. And then suddenly there's an angel standing there and the glory of the Lord, the Bible says, shone around them. And my favorite phrase, they were greatly afraid as if there would be any other response to what was going on. And so the angel makes this statement that I bring you good tidings, that word, those words good tidings, they mean good news or the gospel message. I bring you good news of great joy, uh, which will be to all people. And so I guess the first question I want us to consider this morning would be, well, what happened to the joy? I mean, wh- where is the joy that the angels showed up to bring? I mean, is it here today? Have you uh, been to the mall lately and seen the joy? Uh, have you tried to to navigate your way through the traffic in this season, be up and down Highway 49 at rush hour and seeing all the joy. There's so much joy that is missing. We don't know what happened to the joy. Uh, I was sitting at a red light earlier this week, and I was actually sitting behind a garbage truck. Now, this is just a little glimpse into how uh, ridiculous my brain is. I'm sitting behind this garbage truck, and I'm looking at the garbage truck, and of course, this is one of those new garbage trucks with the, with the big hydraulic hand on it, you know, that grabs stuff and then dumps it. But I'm looking at the garbage truck and I'm remembering back to when I was a little boy. And I'm remembering, uh, how great I used to think it would be to be a garbage man because they get to hang on the back of the truck driving down the road. And I used to think, man, that is the job I want. I mean, anybody who gets paid to hang on the truck going down the road, that's cool. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about this and I've, you know, got a smile on my face and I'm just remembering what it was like to be a little boy and apparently the light turns green. I can't see. All I can see is the back of this giant green truck and the brake lights go off on the truck as if the truck's about to start going and suddenly out of nowhere from behind me, there's this, you know, hurry up. Well, there went my good mood. So, now I know that, you know, you would think that your pastor would just say, look in the rearview mirror and say, just bless him, Lord. He just needs a touch from you. But that's not what happened. I want to do more than bless him in that moment. And so I'm looking in the rearview mirror and I'm thinking, okay, moron. There's a 14-foot truck in front of me that you can clearly see. What do you want me to do? Drive over it? Go under it? I mean, exactly how am I supposed to hurry in this moment? But he's not, he's not to be, you know, thwarted. He's, you know, just got this look on his face like, you know, moving his hands around. So I said, okay. So I start moving my hands around. I'm like, you want me to do something? You go around. Go ahead. Show me something. So finally, the truck starts going and I start going. So he's going to come around. 
you know, into the wrong side of the road, but to get around us, which is fine. So there I am. I see him starting to come around. So I'm like, this is going to be good. I'm going to give him the old, you know. (laughs) So he comes around. He goes around the truck. And I'm left there in my sin just going, joy to the world. The Lord has come. And one day I'm going to be with him and there won't be any morons like him there. Oh, goodness. So where is the joy? I, I, I mean, do you, you ever feel like the, the psalmist in Psalm 120 where the, the psalmist says, Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace? It seems like sometimes that's where we are. That we, we live in a place and a time in a land where there are people, they just hate peace. I mean, people, there's people around us and they seem to just want conflict. They want to, they want to just get, you know, they want to take whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation is, make it difficult, make it uncomfortable, make it hard. And we have to just, you know, deal with that. And it seems like around Christmas it gets a little escalated. I mean, maybe for you it's, it may be somebody in your family. It may be every day you have to go home and there's someone in your home that lives in your home who's, who's just, just doesn't want peace. And so there's always going to be some discord or some struggle or some trial or some contentious scenario about something simple. Maybe it's your workplace. You know, I, there's so many of you that I pray for. I know that you have difficult work environments and that it's hard for you at work and you know, I think about how you have to get up every day and how, you know, just your faces are filled with, with joy all day Sunday. Um, but you know Monday's coming and you know it'll be another week of persecution and trial and struggle. And so, you know, the Scripture talks about this, this good news and this joy that's coming to all people. But, you know, so many times we look around and we don't see it. And what we need to understand is that joy is very different from happiness. Happiness is based on your happenings. Happiness is anyone can be happy uh, whenever there's good happenings or good situations or good circumstances. We're happy. That's what happiness is. And so we all have times where things are going right for us. And so we find happiness. But joy is a completely different thing. Joy transcends happiness. Joy is something that uh, true joy, it only comes from the Lord. And it's It's a joy that's in our heart regardless of what happens around us that we recognize and realize that the Lord has come and He's dwelt among us, that His Son left heaven and came to this earth and died for our sin and made a way for us to be forgiven and saved and secure in Him and that one day we'll be together forever. And that's joy. And so whatever we're facing, whatever trial we're in, and so here we we look and we see these shepherds and they're... They're in the dark of night and suddenly the light shone around them. The glory of God shone around them and their darkness is penetrated by the light of God. Now let's continue reading. Look back in Luke 2 and let's pick up in verse 16. Now the scripture says that these shepherds, they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. 
But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Now here we see shepherds who were introduced to us as these outcasts, these these rejected people out in the middle of a field in the darkness of night, light breaks open their world and suddenly we find them returning back, glorifying and praising God. Now, what must have happened that night? What, what was it that so transformed the lives of these shepherds? These, these men, they understand that they have little to no value to society. They understand that. What could have made them be so filled with joy that they would be glorifying and praising God? I mean, think about it. It was only a baby. Jesus was only a baby. Well, first of all, I would say this. They were joyful because the long-awaited Messiah had finally come. In other words, they were Jewish shepherds. They understood the prophecy that had, had long since been standing, that they had been waiting and waiting and waiting for this promised Messiah who was to come to the nation of Israel and to fulfill uh, all of those prophecies about the salvation of His people. And so they've been waiting and waiting. And so they knew that the birth of this child, based on the testimony of the angels, that a Savior was born unto them this day in the city of David, that the Messiah had come. And so they were joyful. They knew Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where the Bible says, Unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They knew that for hundreds and hundreds of years, that their generation after generation after generation had been waiting for the Messiah to come. This one that God had promised. Now, they didn't know how He would come. They didn't know when He would come. They didn't know exactly how any of this was going to work out. But they knew what God had promised and they had been waiting. And so just from a a national standpoint, just from a standpoint of these shepherds recognizing that they're part of God's people and God has sent His Messiah for His people. And so it's going to be okay. The Messiah has come. And so they're filled with joy for that reason. These shepherds understood that they were, they were part of the people that were going to receive the blessing of the sent Messiah. But that's not all. It's not only that they were joyful because the long way to Messiah had finally come. It was more than that. I think that they were joyful because they realized for the very first time in their lives, for the first time in these shepherds' lives, that they realized that although they had little value to society, although most people just overlooked and marginalized them, they recognized and realized that they have great value to God. And here's why. God revealed Himself to them. The angels came to them. In other words, these shepherds are, on, are no doubt standing there looking at this angel, listening to the testimony of the angel. And from the time the angel leaves until the time they get to the manger, they're in shock that God came to them. The angel came to them. Why them of all people? And the whole way they're thinking, just think. 
Just think, Bob. I mean, can you believe this, Willie? Here we are. We're just shepherds. We're just out here in a field. We're nobodies. No one ever gives us any extra recognition. Nobody ever gives us any credit for anything. No one even pays attention to us. And now suddenly... The Messiah has come and we know about it. We're the ones that are going around telling everybody else about what's happened. And you see, when a person for the very first time realizes, first of all, that God is real, that that the Messiah has come, that salvation has come in Jesus Christ, that's an astonishing moment. But then when you realize that God loves you as an individual, that He knows you as a person, that that we are His creation, created to bear His image, that He knit us together in our mother's womb, that He knows everything about us, that is a revelation that overwhelms us and creates joy in our hearts. Now, I want you to understand something. Was this... Happiness? Because it does seem on the surface that at least momentarily, maybe their circumstances had changed. But you see, when we read on, what we find is that they they begin to go and tell everyone about the Messiah who's come. They begin to testify of all that they've seen and heard. But then what does the last verse we read say? But then they returned. They went back. To what? To their fields. In other words, their circumstances didn't change. These shepherds who were once nobodies, who were completely rejected, who spiritually... Think about the spiritual condition of not even being allowed to go to the temple because you were unclean. Suddenly now, God has shown His glory to you. And so... They go back into the same circumstances they were in, but everything's different. You understand? You see what Christmas does? When you really get the message of Christmas, when you really get your hands around the good news of the gospel, when you recognize and realize what Christ has done in your life and what Christ has done in my life, it fills us with joy. And we find ourselves oftentimes in the same circumstances that we were in before, before we knew Christ, before God saved us. But yet everything is now different in the same circumstances. Do you think that the following day was anything like the previous day? Do you think that they were, do you think they tended to the flocks the same way they did prior to the angel's appearance? I mean, there's no way that they had a whole different ring about them. I'm sure that everybody, when they came to get relieved by the other shepherds, when the day crew came in, do you think it was just like normal where the guys show up and they're all sleepy and they're like, thanks, and they just punch the little card and just go on away? Oh, no. It was, you're not going to believe what happened. You're not going to believe what we've seen. You're not going to believe what God has done. You're not going to believe that then they go home to their families. They go to their neighborhoods. They tell everyone what's happened. But at some point, it was time to go back into the field. It was time to return to being a shepherd. And let me ask you a question. Did God change the societal view of shepherding? Just because of this event, do you think suddenly the very next day that on all the news channels it was saying, from now on, shepherds are no longer rejects. From now on, shepherds are now raised to the top of the ladder. From now on, I want everyone to treat shepherds with dignity and respect. No. You see, the only thing that changed 
was their relationship with God. Their circumstances remained the same. That's what joy does. Happiness cannot live there. Happiness, that momentary happiness where, you know, if, if their boss would have showed up and gave them a big bonus check for Christmas and they would have been very excited about that. Well, once they spend it, January comes around, they come back to work again, then that's all forgotten and it's back to the same old humdrum existence, isn't it? You see, happiness is fleeting. Because when we base our, our emotional well-being, when we base our, our level of contentment on our circumstances, we're in big trouble. Because I don't know about you, but I, I tell you what, my circumstances are a roller coaster. They're a roller coaster. From one day to the next, I don't know what the day has in store. But when I'm walking in the joy that my Heavenly Father has taken care of all of my eternal problems, that I am secure in Him, that this, that I'm just, a, I'm passing through, I'm just an alien in this world. This is not my home. I'm not going to get bent out of shape about stupid things because you know what? This isn't what I was meant for. That this is just a little dot in time. This is just a fleeting breath, a vapor, and it's going to be gone, but I'm going to be with Him for eternity. You see, the circumstances will lead us astray and they'll lure us into a trap. But I want you to, 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 to notice the way God lays this out. Now, in verse 11... The Scripture says that this news, this good news, is that there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the news. That's the good news. The joy is a result of the news. You see, it's good tidings of great joy. You can't separate the news and the joy. You can't just say, well, there's joy. Well, then what would the joy be about? What, what is the joy? Are they, is there just joy because an angel appeared? Well, no. We already know that if an angel just appears, the, the first response is fear. And then if the angel says, well, now don't be afraid because I'm not going to kill you. I'm just here to reveal myself to you. Well, then what? Is, does that create joy? No, because as soon as the angel leaves, I'm right back to where I was. It's the joy of the news that the angel comes to say, listen, there's a child born who's the Savior. He's the Lord. He's the Messiah. He's the one who's coming to make all the wrongs right. He's the one that's coming to reconcile sinful man with perfection of God, bring those two things together and allow people, normal, regular people, even people like shepherds, even people like me, even people like you, to know God, to have a relationship with God, to be born again unto a new living hope, that that's the news. The joy comes through the news. And if you separate the news from the joy, then you don't have joy. All you can have is maybe some momentary Happiness. Now, the Scripture has always been this way. Whenever the Scripture talks about joy, the Scripture talks about joy as something that's transcendent. I want to show you this. I want you to, I want you to see a passage of Scripture out of Nehemiah chapter 8. In Old Testament Scripture, it'll come up on the screen so you don't have to flip there. But in Nehemiah chapter 8, we pick up this amazing story of Nehemiah who's, who's rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. 
But what you have to understand before I read this passage to you is you have to understand the condition of the people. The people have been run out of the promised land by the Babylonians. So about the time they got used to being under the rule of the Babylonians, then the Babylonians got overthrown by the Persians. And so now they're under the rule of the Persians. And so the people of God have no identity. They've lost all their, their, their traction in the world. Meanwhile, the promised land, the land that, that they've been promised, the land that God had given to them and, and spoken all these blessings over, it was in complete disrepair. It was like a, 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 a complete run-down dump. And so Nehemiah goes back to rebuild the walls and the, the entire... Uh, city of Jerusalem is surrounded by these formidable enemies that they really have no hope of ever being able to defend themselves against. And so they begin the process of rebuilding these walls. And so really there's been a hundred years of agony that's led up to this passage of Scripture. And then in the midst of all this, they uncover the book of the law. That what's been lost is the, the book of the law. They uncover the, the scripture. And so now they have, they have the Pentateuch and they, they open it up and they've got the first five books of the Bible. And so Ezra, the scribe, he, he now has the scriptures. And so they gather all the people together. And for the first time, they're going to get to hear the word of God. And in all this, all this time since the Babylonians came in and destroyed everything, now they're going to, their ears are going to get to hear what they've missed and what they've longed for. And so the scripture says in Nehemiah chapter eight, verse five, so Ezra opens up the book and in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people when he opened it and all the people stood up. And then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered and began to shout, Amen, Amen, while lifting their hands. And they then bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And I want you to see what happens. In Nehemiah 8.10, the Bible says that, that they start to wail and lament. And Nehemiah says, wait a minute. Don't sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He, he makes in the midst of this crazy situation in the midst of everything has been going wrong suddenly we get this one little glimpse of of hope but they were still aware of all their circumstances and all their situations and they were sort of crying and weeping and wailing and he said no don't sorrow because the joy of the lord is our strength you see he didn't say hey be joyful you can't do that you can't separate the joy from the message. You can't separate joy from the object. It's only the joy of the Lord that's our strength. That word strength, it means stronghold. It means in the midst of rebuilding the city, surrounded by enemies, everything's against you. You have absolutely no chance if you're looking at this with common sense. There's no possible way in just a human physical reality that this is going to work out. And yet the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, not, not happiness. Because all happiness is good for is as long as your circumstances are going your way. And so many people get this wrong. So many people think that maybe if I start coming to church, maybe, maybe what will happen is God's going to, you know, He's going to fix and change all my circumstances. Well, maybe He will. But maybe He won't. But that's not what God's about. 
God's about joy that transcends circumstances. Because here's the thing. If you're just walking around praising God because everything's good in your life, who's going to pay attention to that? In other words, isn't that the normal response? But what if your circumstances haven't changed? What if all your struggles and all your trials are still there? Then God really begins to get great glory from your life. You see, there's no, there's no greater glory to God than when a child of God is suffering and yet they have joy. In the midst of their sickness, they have joy. In the midst of their uh, struggle, they have joy. In the midst of their depression, they have joy. They know. You see, and the, the, these shepherds teach us. The Scripture declares that the joy of the Lord is always connected. Joy is always connected to the Lord. It's always connected to the message. You can't dissect the two. There's no joy without the gospel. There's no joy without the Lord. There can only be happiness. You know, the, the Scriptures are written uh, documents and testimonies of, especially in the Old Testament, of the, of the trials of life in this earth, of, of the difficulties that, that, that God's people faced. And if you look through the book of Psalms, what you find is, is every imaginable condition, every imaginable struggle or trial, or there's doubt and there's fear and there's anguish and there's suffering and there's, and there's joy and there's exuberation and there's all these things in the book of Psalms. But there's a, there's a little group of Psalms from Psalm 115 to 118 or so. You, you find the, the Hillel. That, that means praise songs. And those, those psalms were sung by the Jewish people at, at important times of, of feasting or important times of remembering. And so they would, they would sing those psalms when they were uh, having the Passover meal or, or when there was a new moon celebration or, or they were celebrating the goodness of God. And, and if you read the Hillel, if you read that group of psalms, you'll see that in that praise, it's, it's not all just happy. There, there's plenty of, of struggles in there. There's plenty of trials in there. But it's interesting that in Psalm 118, in the Hillel, the psalmist says in verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. And we'll rejoice and be glad in it. That the, the children of Israel would, would sing the Psalms of the Hillel. And they would say that today, today, and you think about these people who are singing this. You think about the things that they've been through. And you just imagine that the, the, the days that must have been represented by, by this phrase that they would say, this is the day the Lord's made. This is the day. Maybe our, our village has been overrun. Maybe my family has been, been murdered or taken off into slavery. Maybe everything that I've owned has, has been pillaged and ruined and burned to the ground. But this is the day the Lord's made. And we're going to rejoice in it. Why? Why are we going to rejoice in it? Because we're God's people. Because we know Yahweh God. 
And that above all things, we recognize and realize that our, our condition is not based on our circumstances. That what transcends whatever's going on in the world around us is, is that today is the day that our Father has made. And that He's with us and He's promised never to leave us or forsake us. And if we find ourselves in a situation we don't understand, if we find ourselves in a circumstance that we're not sure we're going to get through, we have to remember what He said. We have to remember what He's promised. That He never said it would be easier, that it would go the way that we think. But this God is with us. And He's made that day. And we're His children. And so we can rejoice in the fact that Today's a day we can wake up and live and whatever comes, we're going to rejoice in it. We're not going to be happy. Amen. We're not going to be happy, but we're going to rejoice in it. You see, that's that same idea of joy that the Lord made the day. Therefore, we'll rejoice. You can't separate the two. You can't just say we're going to wake up today and rejoice. That will not work. Now, will it? No. But if you wake up and recognize it's the day the Lord has made, you can rejoice in it. And then you say to me, well, Pastor, think about that. I mean, okay, I hear you. But you don't, you don't know what I've gone through. You, you don't understand the, the circumstance I'm in right now. You don't, you don't realize the pain that's in my heart. You know, this week, it's amazing how God just puts things on our hearts to pray for one another. This week, I've, I've spent specific time in prayer for each one of you that I know of who is facing their first Christmas without a loved one. So many of you have lost loved ones this year. And I know that it's going to be a difficult Christmas for you because there's someone who's always been there who's not there now. And I've been praying for you. I've been praying that you would wake up every day and you would say, this is the day the Lord's made. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be glad and I'm going to rejoice in it because God made it. And yeah, I, I miss my, my husband. I miss my wife. I miss my father, my mother, my, my aunt. I, I wish they were here. I miss my daughter. But God's here and He's with you. And it's a day that He's made. And you can rejoice in it. You say, I, I just don't know that I can rejoice in it. I just don't know that I can. Well, I ask you to consider the, the events of Matthew chapter 26. You see, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is coming to the, the very end of His life. And He's, he's, he's beginning to just, just take care of all the last details. And so He realizes that His time on earth is now drawn very, very short. And the sin of the world is beginning to weigh down upon him. And he's, he's looking towards Calvary and he's, he knows what's ahead for him. He knows where all this is leading. And so he gathers his disciples together and they go up into the upper room and they all get together. And as they're sitting there enjoying that, that Passover meal, as they're together just celebrating all that God's done, even in that moment, there's the grief of the betrayer that sits among them, the one who's going to give him up, the one who he's loved for three years and walked with and, and taught and who's going to turn his back on him. And he also realizes that the other ones aren't much better. That the entire time that he's being crucified, there'll be nowhere to be found. 
They'll be off back fishing. They'll be, they'll be denying the fact that they knew Him. They'll be gone. He knows all that. And He's sitting there in that moment with the weight of all that coming around Him. And here's what the Scripture says. In verse 30 of Matthew 26, the Scripture says, And when they were finished eating, they sang a hymn. And then they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now I just wonder, I wonder if they sang the Hillel, which was their custom. Because if they did, you know what Jesus said that day? He said, I'm going to be beaten beyond recognition. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be slaughtered on a cross by people I came to save who hate me and curse me and spit upon me. And He says, this is the day the Lord's made. And I'm going to be glad and rejoice in it. You see, if they sang that that hymn, if they sang the Hillel, which was their custom, He would have said those words. And the New Testament author picks it up in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 where he says of Jesus, looking unto Him, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. That Jesus recognized that it wasn't your circumstances. That joy in the Lord transcends everything else that goes on around us. And in the midst of the most excruciating pain and suffering, he knew exactly what was ahead for him. He would have sang a hymn and declared, Today, Father, is a day you've made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. You know, maybe this morning you're here and you feel like you're standing out in a field in darkness. Maybe you're, you feel like you're standing in the darkness of alienation. Maybe you're standing in the darkness of, of some sort of rejection or, or loneliness. Maybe you're standing in the field of, of sickness. Maybe you're standing out in a, in a field and, and your financial situation just seems like darkness closing in around you. Maybe you feel as if you are a rejected person that you can't seem to find your place where you fit into this world and this culture. You always feel like you're the round peg going in a square hole. Maybe this morning, you, you came to church this morning and you, you know it's Christmas time and you've come because someone's invited you or because it means something to your family, but all you're here really to do is just endure a, a, an amount of time and something that someone's going to say. You think it's just another day. Maybe you're just like a shepherd who got up and did the same thing he always did. But one night, he was out in the field in the middle of darkness, didn't know anything was going to be different. And suddenly, the glory of God. The Scripture says that when the angel appeared to him, the glory of God shone around them. It shone around them. That it didn't just show around the angel, it showed around all of them. That God invited shepherds into His glory. That for the first time they realized that not only were they going to be okay because God was going to make a way, but He loved them. And I want you to know this morning that God loves you. That He has a purpose for your life. That He, he made you and created you to bear His image. And that He is... He is the one who came as a baby and the world mocks him and jeers at him and and parades him around. 
makes fun of him, tries to take his name out of his own birthday. Isn't it interesting that the God who comes as an innocent baby, as a baby, if we were to dismiss for a moment and all walk around to the nursery and walk into the the, the room where all the infants are, would anybody be terrified of the power and the might? No. They're babies. They're helpless. The God who came as a baby, he wasn't, he wasn't parading His power and His might. He didn't come with the, the force that resides in just the, the flick of His pinky. No, He came humbly as a child. And He died humbly on a cross. But though His heart Though his heart was grieved by the world who rejects him, who chooses to stay in the darkness and reject the light that has come to earth, there's joy in his heart because he knows, he knows that one day he's coming back and he's going to get his people. And we're going to be with Him forever. He knows the end of the story. He knows what we don't know. He knows then enough to be able to look at the the horror that's before Him and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And He knows enough today that in the midst of the darkness that you face, that if, if you knew what He knew, no matter what you face today, you would rejoice. Your heart would be overwhelmed with joy because God has revealed Himself and He has invited you and me personally into His glory. That's what God's done. That's the, that's the splendor of Christmas. Yeah, they were joyful. I think for two primary reasons. One, They knew it was going to be okay because God sent His Messiah. But two, that God loved them. And for the very first time, they realized God loves me. And I can go right back into that world that rejects me because God loves me. Do you know that this morning? That God loves you. And He sent His Son that whosoever would believe on Him would not perish but have eternal life. That's the opportunity that's before you tonight. The glory of God has shone among us. And He's invited you to come in and partake of His splendor and His mercy and His grace. Will you stand, bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. We just want to reflect for a few moments on what God has shown us. We want to just pause and and be still here and just ask the Lord to just bless us, Lord, and help us to, to reconcile how merciful and great You are. God, I pray that as we think upon what You've done by sending Your Son, as we think about what really matters at Christmas, Lord, I pray that You'll give us courage Courage, courage to to not be afraid, to hear your voice say, don't be afraid. 
I know that your, your heart is pounding. I know that your, your palms are sweaty. I know that right now it's, you, you feel like something's going on that you don't really understand. But could it be that the God of the universe has come down into your darkness and He's revealed Himself and He's invited you to come in to His glory? So, Father, I pray that those who are here today who, who have never entered into a personal relationship with you, they've never realized that you love them individually, that you, you love them, you know them. Father, will you bring salvation today to those who are apart from you? Lord, will you, will you remind those in this room who find themselves in dark situations and circumstances. Lord, where they, they know You, but Lord, they feel like they've been out in a field for a while. They feel distant, Lord. God, will, will You remind them of Your power and Your might? Will You restore in them their confidence in You, Lord God, the, the joy that only You can bring, the gospel message that declares that whosoever would believe upon Your name would be saved. And Lord, that nothing can take that away, Lord. Will You just overwhelm us with gratitude and thankfulness? And Lord God, any one of us in this room who know You as Lord and Savior, what a great Christmas we'll have. If we don't get a single present, if no one sends us a card, if we don't get a call, if no one even pats us on the back and tells us they love us. We have you. We have you. And we thank you for that this morning. So Lord, maybe there's some here today who just need to plant their life in a family, in a church and say, I want to belong here. I want to be a part of what God's doing here. I want to be a, a brother or a sister and grow in Christ as I exist amongst this community of faith. God, Will you call those today unto you? Lord, as we respond, we, we thank you for your goodness towards us. We thank you for the courage you give us. And we'll come. We'll come. Wherever you're leading us to do, we'll do. In Jesus' name.